From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. We're happy today to have pianist Paul Cardall with us on the show for a repeat visit. He's been with us before, and you can find that visit in our archive at www.byuradio.org highway89. If you know something of Paul's career, you know it could be described in terms of accolades and public recognition. For example, he's got more than 2 billion, that's B, billion lifetime digital streams on one platform or another an honorary doctorate of humane letters from the Utah Board of Education. You could also talk about his incredible personal story, one that includes a lifelong battle with congenital heart disease and has made him a powerful advocate for those dealing with similar challenges. But it seems the best way to talk about Paul's career is to describe it in terms of the personal lives he's touched with his uplifting and comforting music. In an era of social media, many of those stories are part of the public face of Paul's music. We'll hear some of those stories today. We'll talk to Paul, and of course, we'll hear lots of his oft-billboard-charting piano music as well. Here's Paul Cardall with Sweet Hour of Prayer on Highway 89.
Live on Highway 89, Paul Cardall performing his arrangement of Sweet Hour of Prayer. Paul, thank you for coming in again. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, it's been long enough since your last visit that there's actually quite a bit we could talk about that's happened (laughs) in between. You don't sit around. No. (laughs) And uh, it goes beyond even the performance hall or the recording studio. Some of your own experiences have given you, I think, empathy for what makes all kinds of exciting philanthropic work. And we could talk about some facets of that. But first, I'll talk a little about the endowment at the Salt Lake Community College. This is the Paul Cardall Family Foundation. Yes. I had a heart transplant almost eight years ago. And during that process of waiting, it was mind-blowing the way the community came together. Friends, obviously in the music business, put on a benefit concert for me. Yeah. Well, we ended up having more than we expected. So what I ended up doing after the transplant is I put on another concert. We took all those funds. We created a foundation to fight congenital heart disease. There's a lot of people that have surgeries that can't afford to go to college. And even though their prognosis may not be very well, I still think they should get an education. I think we take everything we can learn here with us. And so we established the scholarship at Salt Lake Community College for families of students or for students affected by congenital heart disease. And anyone affected by it doesn't mean you necessarily have to have it. But if you've raised a child with it or you have a brother and money is not easy to come by. All of these are huge financial burdens. We just want to help people. Yeah. Well, beautifully done. Well done to put that to such a good purpose. I'd like you to play I think this might be one of your best-known, best-loved pieces, Sacred Nature. Thank you. Tell me about this. Well, this is about that very principle of being able to help people. I Mm. think there's something sacred in our responsibility because uh, joy doesn't come from taking care of ourselves. It comes from taking care of other people and helping other people. And so there's something sacred about it. And so hopefully we can get that kind of nature into ourselves and have sacred nature. All right, Paul Cardall, years ago, I used to be the host of an inspirational music program, and we would have, I think, more requests for this than any of Paul's other works. Here is Sacred Nature.
Sacred Nature, Paul Cardall playing his own work. Paul, your own career, it's been stable enough. Your catalog is large enough. You've got a great rapport with the people who enjoy your music, and you've established that as a firm enough path that it seems like every once in a while you're able to take these little side trips to one side or the other, and people are cool to go with you on that, kind of feeling like they're still generally going along on that inspirational path. You've done a Christian rock album you created several years ago, Songs of Praise, and now there's another one that is still fits your same values as a musician, music that's a little outside the inspirational instrumental music model. Tell me about Worth of Souls. Worth of Souls evolved out of, uh, for in the first place, not everybody's going to be interested in piano music. They're not all going to feel hmm. what other people feel with other types of music. Depression is a growing problem. There are more and more depressed people in our society, and unfortunately there are a lot of people who are giving up. I'm alive today because I received a, a, a donor heart. My donor took his life. Mm. I've had friends who have given up and taken their own lives. And I've always known that music clinically has helped release the dopamine from our brains to go through our body and give us pleasure. And so if we could create music for a specific generation of people that allowed them not only to think to receive that pleasure, but to have lyrics that anchor them to hope in something much bigger than themselves. And in this case, The Worth of Souls, every song on that record counters negative feelings and anchors your hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what percentage of that is vocal music? It's all Christian music. Start to finish. Yes. And we've got nine artists who are featured on the project, but the music itself is a band and some of these songs are already really popular christian worship songs that have been very effective at changing lives mm. so we wanted to have that aspect and we wanted to write some new songs and overall the feedback has been remarkable the way it's lifted people who had given up hope who are experiencing a lot of doubt in their faith the music is giving them energy and motivation to, to give it another shot you know, we're going to do a whole segment because I want to talk about that feedback because you do get it. But let's hear one more piece first and tell me about time. Time. If we could make time stand still. <laughs> you know, when you see your children and they're getting older and older, you just want to go back and there's that nostalgia and you just want to hold them. And yet we have father time clicking away and we just we want to just take time and spend time where it's you don't want it to pass. And so that's what this song is all about. Okay. I'll be listening for that ticking and talking as we hear this. Paul Cardall performing his work, Time. Thank you. 
That's time, written and performed by Paul Cardall. Sounds like it's time to wind that clock again. <laughs> it slowed down at no the kidding. end there. <laughs> Paul, this is really cool because some of the pieces you're playing for us, they've always been piano pieces. But others, if you listen to recordings, you'll hear them with different instruments orchestrated. But it's really fun to kind of hear just the essence of them on the piano like this, which I guess is where they start with you. Yeah, it just starts with coming up with a basic theme, adding a melody, and then just building it. Like I look at the piano like it's a puzzle. Hmm. And I have to figure out what is this piece going to look like and sound like. So we mentioned stories and feedback that you get about particular pieces. I could say, how does that make you feel? But I'm not going to do that. I think you've expressed that already. Can you, could you give me some examples of types of responses people have given? It's remarkable what music does. And I don't think I really have any control over it. I think God is aware of people. And he knows what they need. And so as I play certain songs and record them, and they go out there, uh, for example, there was a Marine, a nurse in Afghanistan, struggling, having a really difficult time. Uh, this individual's from Florida. They have to operate on soldiers. Deeply depressed, not sure if he'd ever come home. And he had access to a radio, and he heard a song I had arranged called Life and Death. And right there, this, he had this overwhelming feeling that everything was going to be okay. And that as he was saving lives, he would be preserved from his own death and mm. return back to the United States. And so this is one of many responses that we receive that very overwhelming and, and very humbling. And I imagine also some for people dealing with young children, because uh, your parents, I mean, you went through the same thing as a young child in multiple operations. We've been good at communicating to people that music doesn't heal you. Music is a tool, that a resource that if you use that tool, you create an atmosphere so that a higher power can come in and heal you. And there have been numerous families with children with illness, children who have passed. And in times of grief, this music has spoken to them in a profound way as though an angel is answering a prayer. This next song is called One by One. And yes. I wonder if you'd tell me about this one. I was invited by Elder David A. Bednar, who was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is a mouthful. I was invited by him to help him write a hymn. And this, over a year of conversations and trying, I put so much pressure on myself to make this something wonderful and big and majestic and I wasn't feeling it and I went into his office and I said, I can't do it. And he said, go try again. And that night I read some scripture and at four in the morning I went into my studio and I wrote this very simple, uh, like a nursery rhyme song. And I recorded it and I sent it off to him and he said, that's it. That's it. And he added words to it. But the version I'm going to play translated in Slovenian because my wife is Slovenian uh -huh. is Eden da Zugrum. And I just happened to have a daughter named Eden. So one by one translated in <laughs> Slovenian is Eden da Zugrum. So it's a kind of a special song. Nice.
Coming to you live on Highway 89, Paul Cardall performing One by One or Eden Dazugrim. Right. I guess the music doesn't care what you call it. Well, it's such a simple little song. Well, it manages and, and to be both hymn-like and lilting with yes, that triplet figure. Children can understand it and older people can remember the melody. <laughs> you said a minute ago... Uh, We've been effective at communicating. When you say we, who is we? Who is the team you that, that you're talking about? The record label I founded is Stone Angel Music, and I freelance a lot of people to help. Mm-hmm. And over the years, what has really been clear with this music is that it's helping people feel again. Mm. People that have, I guess, admitted that they are numb to emotion. And so we've just effectively through social media and through all our, our marketing is remind people what music can do for you. And then we just provide them with the music and let them test it out. Hmm. And so it is a tool. It is a resource to help you feel the spirit and to access those feelings again. You know, it's a commendable thing when you see someone at the end of their career, for instance, a conductor, a composer, an instrumentalist, kind of lay down what they've been doing and then pass on information to the next generation. You have not waited for that. All along the way, you've started promoting and working with other artists in the middle of your own work with, with your record label that you just mentioned. Is there some other satisfaction that you get in doing that, in, in bringing along some other artist? Much more joy and satisfaction helping the other artists. And if I didn't have my own career and a, and a fan base demanding more music, I would spend more time mentoring other artists that I work with. And, you know, the first artist I ever signed, uh, Stephen Sharp Nelson, a cellist, yeah. never in his wildest dreams did he think he could have a group of people buy a cello record. <laughs> but he was such an entertaining individual that we, we released that album called Sacred Cello and a couple others. And eventually he would team with John Schmidt. And today they are the piano guys. And the rest is history for that wonderful yeah, group yeah. Of, of artists. We're going to hear two tunes in a row now. So uh, I wonder if you'd introduce these two, Eye to Eye and Be Calm. Eye to Eye will be interesting just as piano because on the recording we have this wonderful soprano mm. singing not any words but just this beautiful sound echoing through. And it's basically about coming to the presence of something divine. Mm. It could be anything. And then be calm, obviously, is after you have that experience, you've got to take a nap because I'm sure it's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> so it's just uh, exactly what the title is, is to, to be calm. This is Paul Cardall. He's playing for us live here on Highway 89 in Studio 6, a pair of pieces starting with Eye to Eye.
two pieces from pianist Paul Cardall, his compositions Eye to Eye and Calm. Paul, this is really fun to have you in again. I'm so glad that this has worked out. Sometimes we'll have a band in or a string quartet or a choir of 35 people here in the studio. And so even though I'm talking one-on-one with someone, there's still this huge audience. It's sort of like a party. I think so. (laughs) So this is actually really nice. We have the lights down low. You're playing the piano and I'm over here sort of swaying with my eyes closed. (laughs) And I kind of like this. I'm just, I could ask Paul anything. Go so, for it. <laughs> so why not? <laughs> One of the first things I remember that you did after your heart transplant was climb Mount Olympus. Not, not the one in Greece, but right. actually a higher one, which is in the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah. But I kind of think you had been climbing mountains for years in different ways, dealing with uh, the, the congenital heart disease. What did the piano mean to you as a kid who couldn't go out and do tackle football or or whatever, water ski, or whatever is you might have done besides be at the piano? I was drawn to music because I, I couldn't go outside as uh-huh. much as I, I should have. And music was my way to explain emotionally to myself at first what was going on. It was mm. the piano is what God spoke to me through because as I would just figure out certain melodies and tones he spoke to me now it didn't sound that wonderful to everyone else but that was the instrument that allowed me to access him Mm. and so it made me also feel like I had a purpose the other thing is it's allowed me to communicate effectively the love that I think God has for us. Now, it's not perfect. My, my performance and my music is not perfect, but his love is. Hmm. You just said you're not sure how well other people enjoyed it. I think your record sales might be live at later. I'm talking about in the beginning. <laughs> okay. In the beginning when we're blood, sweat, and tears. Well, okay. So at the beginning, when did you, when did you realize you had a gift for a melody? I was very nervous. I took a song I had written after a friend of mine had passed away to his parents. I didn't want to offend them with a song. I wanted just to show them that this is something that had happened to me and if, and just let me play it as a way of processing my grief. But they were very emotional. They encouraged me to continue to do that because it was bringing them comfort. And so Mm -hmm. that's what led me to go get a job in a restaurant playing the piano. It was people asking. For a CD and for for music. So it's actually other people pointing it out to you. Yeah, because you don't go into music to be able to really provide for your family. It doesn't. It's not very logical unless you go down a very structured path. And I had a very unstructured way of playing the piano. So you either become a rock star, (laughs) or you go back to music theory and you learn how to to teach. Uh For me. I just, it was as though I just kind of found my way as I put pressure on, on, on what I needed to do. And I always ask people this question, do you feel driven or do you feel led? Hmm. And I think early I felt driven to be successful, but ultimately it's been led. Nice. I like that uh, distinction. There's a big distinction in everything we do in life when you, when you phrase it like that, are you driven? Or are you led? Is that advice that you give or a question you ask of young players who might talk to you and say, how do I do this? 
I'm always trying to convince people who have talent where it came from and that we ought to use the music to his advantage versus our own. And so I'm a huge cheerleader of writing for God uh, rather than writing for ourselves, even though that is something we all do uh, in processing thoughts. But I try to push people of faith to dabble a little bit in giving him all the credit. Nice. Couple more questions. I think we've got time. Then we'll squeeze in one more song. Okay. A lot of your projects do have themes, and I'm wondering if you start with a theme and write to that, or are you just writing, trying to make good music, and you see a theme developing? Well, now that I'm more established as a business, <laughs> we in the music industry will usually create an album cover first. Interesting. A concept, and like on Worth the Souls, I took a, a piece of art from J. Kirk Richards called the trumpet shell sound and it's this angel and all this light blowing this trumpet and there's this man emerging out of the darkness and we wanted to lift people up out of depression and that was yeah, going to be the theme float, floating up out. it's such a beautiful yeah. piece and he's a genius and so that album cover says what this is it's a call to come out of darkness into the light so did you just put that in front of you and and kind of write to that then we originally had the idea of worth of souls. Let's find a piece of art. Mm -hmm. Then let's find the songs. Let's find the musicians. Let's bring this all together. It was a very altruistic project. Everybody had no agenda other than to use the music to help their friends, because even they have friends who've in depression, and some of the artists have gone through depressions uh, themselves. And so the music just kind of it just kind of happens. Mm -hmm. It's like you get in a car and you go, I need to go somewhere, but you don't know where you're going yet, and you eventually end up somewhere. <laughs> that might be the 7-Eleven. It might be <laughs> something interesting. You don't know. Well, we have time for one more tune here. Tell me about Our Love. Our Love is a very basic piece in, in E-flat. It's, it's a joyful song with the piano by itself. It's a little different. You don't have any of the percussion, but it's a joyful song just about... Uh, human relationships and how much it's nice just to be around people and so it's our love great here's a final tune from our guest today live on highway 89 as always this is called our love
It's been a pleasure to share music and conversation today with the celebrated pianist Paul Cardall. That was him just playing his piece, Our Love. Find him on social media and at his website, www.paulcardall.com. You can also find information about other artists on Paul's label, Stone Angel Music, at stoneangelmusic.com. If you just caught part of the show and would like to hear the beginning, listen again or share it with a friend, that's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. Also, follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our student assistants are Victoria Khalil and Naomi Campbell. Our producer is Sam Payne. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. 